Hyde Park United Methodist in Tampa, Florida, this is The Bible Project 2020, a journey to reading the Bible without fear or frustration. I'm your host, Matt Hotho. This week, McGray DeVega and I had the opportunity to interview Dr. Kathy Farmer, Professor Emerita of Old Testament at United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. Kathy was an influential professor during McGray's time at United and brings a wealth of knowledge regarding both the Psalms and the wisdom literature. Kathy was also a contributor to the Women's Bible Commentary. This episode wraps up our month-long journey through the Psalter and moves us into a discussion of Proverbs, including a helpful heuristic for interpreting and applying wisdom sayings. Enjoy. Kathy, it's an absolute joy to have you with us, and I'm so glad that you'll be able to share with us some wisdom from the the latter part of the Psalms and help us introduce uh, the, the Proverbs, such rich texts here. And one of the things, as we conclude our readings through the Psalms, uh, that would be helpful to have your reflection on is um, how different the emotions are from Psalm to Psalm. It, it can feel like uh, a zigzag kind of uh, move from one set of emotions in one Psalm and then a next set of emotions in another. Um, what what can we do about um, about the variety of Psalms just from one to the next in terms of our reading and applying them? I think it might be helpful to think of it uh, like your your hymn book in church. Mm. I mean, there they are uh, various hymns for various purposes and various seasons, mm. and uh, the Psalms were not written as a book to be read in in uh, an order in which makes sense. They're just they're written by uh, in the seasons of the hearts and the soul and the mind of the of the writer, or well, actually the speaker. I think so. The speaker is in despair, and the speaker. Praise to God, uh, and in the next psalm, the speaker is 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 feeling in a in a very comfortable place, and uh, and thanks God for for what's happened, and so it, it's each psalm is an individual uh, person or group of people uh, in in their own sense, and so you should never try and read them in continuity mm-hmm. one from the next. I don't think there is any continuity one after the other. Mm-hmm. Well, our readings begin with Psalm 131, and then they carry us all the way to the end, Psalm 150. And it's here in Psalm 131 that we get into the last of what's called the Songs of Ascent. This particular one, I think very well have good, could have been uh, a song that Hannah could have sung when she was delivering her child. Would you mind reading those uh, those okay. verses of Psalm 131? Okie doke. Now, it starts out, a song of a sense of David. Okay, but belonging to David, maybe mm-hmm. dedicated to David, we don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is with me. Mm. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. Now I'm reading from the new RSV, Mm -hmm. but I actually think that that it's a little bit deceptive, the translation. Mm. The the term with uh, is actually almost always translated elsewhere in the Bible as upon. Mm. Like a weaned child upon its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is upon me. I think it's a woman Mm -hmm. carrying a child. And then the weaned part is what really interests me because Mm -hmm. the word that's translated weaned, gamul, uh, is from a root that means deal bountifully with. Mm -hmm. 
And in this same section of Psalms that you're reading, there's, a, um, uh, I think it's 142.8, Gamul is, is translated, you have dealt bountifully with me. Mm. So there's a cultural difference here. When we think of weaning a child, we think of, uh, of uh, taking away, right. getting a child used to the fact that we're taking away the milk. Right. But I think culturally, in Israel and other uh, cultures of this stage, primitive, uh, you know, primitive cultures more or less, uh, the child was nursed until it was ready to give it up. And so they were dealt so bountifully with that they were perfectly content not to be nursing anymore. Oh. And so the wean child is the one who's content, content with with uh, being held but not being nursed. Wow. So that huh. seems to me to to make a complete difference in the feeling of this. That Very much so. It's not a child that I'm not a I'm not my soul is not one that has been weaned away from God, but my soul is one that's been dealt so bountifully with. Yeah that I feel comfortable uh, with everything and happy with everything has been given to me. And by contentment. God. And contentment. Yeah. yeah. So it's a contented child. Mm. Uh, so I've calmed and quieted my soul like a contented child with, on its mother. And what a beautiful image to think about as one is preparing to enter a, a place of worship, of, of an experience of God, um, that a, a God who is provided in abundance. Yes, and right. I I had this psalm uh, read by my grandson at my mother's funeral, oh. and I thought it was perfect. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Another one that we might look at is um, Psalm one thirty seven. Uh, that is a a very different tone. Right. Talk about going from one state of exactly. being to the next. Yeah, yeah it kind of catches a, you off guard, right? Because right. you're reading Psalm one thirty seven, and oh, it's a song. Uh-huh. Right. Sort of. It's a song about not singing songs. Right. 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 So, yeah. 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 yeah so. Um, okay. But yeah, and then it, it just it just turns at the end right. in a way that catches us off guard. Right, and you know the the people the people are unhappy, of course, because they have been thrust into exile. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jerusalem's been destroyed, and then while they're in exile, their tormentors are saying, "Oh, I know, sing us one of those songs of Zion." You mm. know, Zion being Jerusalem, right? That's now destroyed. Like, sing us one of these songs of a sense. Yeah. Sing us yes, one of yes, these yes, songs yes. that you would have sung. Right, right. When you're growing up. Yeah, right, they're being taunted, taunted by right? these, they're yeah. being taunted. So not only are they unhappy about not being uh, where they would like to be, but they're being taunted. And so they say, how could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Uh, and then talk about if I forget you or Jerusalem. So they're very much attached to Jerusalem as Zion, the mm-hmm. place of worship, you know, where God dwelt, all that kind of thing. And, uh, and then, uh, then the, starting with chapter, I mean, verse 7, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, hmm. the day of Jerusalem's fall. Well, the Edomites were supposed to be friends, allies, allies, relatives, and and they turned traitor and helped tear down and Jerusalem. helped tear down Jerusalem. Wow! Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so then uh, when they when they say, "O daughter Babylon, you devastator, happy shall they be who pay you back what you've done to us." Well, you can see they're they're feeling vengeance. They want mm-hmm. vengeance. Now remember, this is human speech. Not divine speech, mm-hmm. right? Right, and there's and then when they say happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock, they're they're expressing the kind of emotion that a lot of people feel when they're in this kind of a situation. But there's nothing that indicates that God would agree with this or that God would do what they want them to, what to happen to them. These are human beings praying or singing or wishing, uh, and it's they're addressing their 
innermost awfulest feelings right. to God. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that's really uh, freeing about a psalm like this is don't pretend that you don't sometimes feel these kind of feelings. Right. And why would you pretend to God anyway? Because God knows what you're feeling. Why would you say you don't feel that way? So you you actually express out loud what you really are feeling, and it's okay. God's mm-hmm. not going to reject you because of that. Well, you mentioned reading uh, this psalm in your local church worship service, and it's a reminder that that's in large part the function of these psalms, was that it's a liturgical book for the people of faith. Yes. and um, A prayer book and a song book. Exactly. And I wonder if, in particular, Psalm 136 might... Uh, might be a bouncing off point for uh, how this might function for us. Yeah, this is just a liturgy all in itself. It's a very wonderful liturgy. And and, uh, 26 times there's a response that says, in my translation, for his steadfast love endures Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. And that's that word hesed, Mm -hmm. the the essence of God's love. Whatever it is, however you translate it, it's, it's the love that will not go away. And, uh, and that's the only comment about God in the whole Old Testament that's never contradicted. Oh. God has steadfast love, and, uh, and that's always, always said about God, never contra- contradicted about God. Yeah. And so every, you have every verse, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, response, for his steadfast love endures forever. So mm-hmm. I believe 26 verses and 26 responses. For his steadfast love endures forever. Kind of functions as a drumbeat or a heartbeat through this psalm to remind yes. us of the, the resiliency and the constancy of God's love. And, you know, and, and this then shows also how the psalms functioned as theological teaching. Mm. So in Israel, as in, in many uh, churches today, it's what you sing and what you pray that you remember. And, and your theology is more likely to come from, from, this, from your songs and your prayers yeah. mm-hmm. than it does from anything else. Probably preachers, McGray, <laughs> yeah. are probably not as important as what you actually have people singing and, yes. and praying yes. in church. Absolutely. That's where people understand. Because when you sing, you, you remember. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It's, a f- it's portable. Right. It's, you know, it sticks with you. And sometimes I'm actually kind of sorry for that because the songs I know by heart are not necessarily the ones that I think the theology is the best. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it underscores the power of song and the power of these psalms. What a beloved book this continues to be for, for generations of, of faithful people. And uh, thank you for rounding out our journey through the Psalms in such a powerful way. Oh, and you can't leave without noticing that the last five Psalms okay. are called, they're the, they're sort of the, the grand finale, mm-hmm. the, 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 yeah. uh, the hallelujah Psalms. Yeah. And I tell my students, uh, you know, hallelujah is a full sentence in Hebrew. Praise ye the Lord. That's good. Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. That's what it means. And so each of these psalms begins and ends with with, uh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, now we shift to a different book of the Bible. Um, The the Proverbs is is different in some ways in terms of tone and in content. Um, uh, And this recurring theme of wisdom occurs all throughout the Proverbs. Just to get us started or oriented toward uh, how to read the book, what would you say is important to know about the book of Proverbs? Well, the first thing is to realize that when you start looking at the, the first 10 chapters of Proverbs, that this is not what you think you're going to find when you hear the word in English, Proverbs. Yeah. Because the word that's translated Proverbs in the title and in the number of the headings um, is, uh, is a word that essentially can mean anything 
wisdom speech. It mm. can mean anything from these kind of sermons that you're going to find in the first five chapters to the little short pithy proverbs, like we think of proverbs, to um, allegories, uh, riddles. Uh, in the rest of the Old Testament, they'll say, well, like uh, Ezekiel says, um, um, I'm going to get, no longer are you going to say a proverb like this, mashal. And he says, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds like what we think of as a proverb. Right. And there will be some like that in the book of Proverbs, uh, particularly starting in chapter 10. Mm -hmm. But these first, uh, these first nine chapters are more like bad sermons. They're, they're sermons that say, you should do this, you shouldn't do that, don't right. do this, don't do that. Uh, they're, they're, they're those kind of warning speeches yeah. uh, from a wisdom teacher to a wisdom pupil. Okay. And, uh, and so that's what you're going to find, these first five chapters you're going to read. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important to notice is that the wisdom speakers uh, personify wisdom. Uh -huh. And uh, in Hebrew, you have all nouns are either masculine or feminine. There's no mm -hmm. neuter. Uh -huh. So there's no it. So a concept is either a masculine concept or a feminine. And this is, wisdom is a feminine noun. Okay. And so it, when they personify, they make it speak as if it were a woman. Right. Okay. So, so, so wisdom speaks as a woman. She takes on human characteristics of a woman. And uh, so it seems like uh, that you've, you've almost made a god out of wisdom, but it's not really. It's really just a figure of speech to say, you know, sort of like Uncle Sam personifies yeah. in the, you know, the Lady United Liberty. States. Lady Liberty. Okay, you're, you're having Uncle Sam speak, and you're having wisdom speak. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that there is a wisdom who speaks, but that this is just a figure of the, uh, a speech. We've, we've used the term already, wisdom literature, and I think that's important to name what, um, what wisdom literature is in, in the Bible. Proverbs is probably a, a great example of that, but as well as other books. Well, I personally uh, limit my feeling that wisdom is Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Okay. And, uh, and kind of the way I define it is that, that um, uh, these three books and wisdom literature books do not talk about the history of Israel in any form. Mm. There's no mention anything that happened in Israel's past. Uh, you know, every other part of the Old Testament has some relationship mm -hmm. to uh, what Israel did and what happened to Israel, mm -hmm. how God treated Israel. Nothing. Nothing in the wisdom literature refers specifically to Israel. Um, and uh, and so it's wisdom in the sense that it's it's universal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that uh, that can be uh, based on creation, um, and as based on creation, it applies to everybody. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure the wisdom teachers thought that all of their advice would make sense to everybody. I think it's pretty clear that the that the first ten chapters are very instructional, mm -hmm. and they're 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 they assume. That I I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> and you should listen to to me because I represent wisdom, and uh, and there's also this attitude that actions have consequences and that they can predict the consequences. Mm. Okay, and that's uh, you know there's a, there's a feeling that if you do wrong, you're going to get punished in some way. It's going to be a problem you know a problem for you if you do wrong, and if you do right, you will have good re results. And, Sometimes we refer to this as the Deuteronomic right. attitude, you know, that, 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 uh, that good reaps rewards and bad reaps bad consequences. But 
But then after that, in the, the ones, the, the short, pithy ones that start in chapter 10, there's, there's much more variety. There's just a mm. huge variety of statements, uh, often just based on, on human uh, observation. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. And it's like when we talk about penny-wise, pound-foolish, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean that if you are penny-wise, you will be pound-foolish or you must be or doesn't tell you that you should be. It just is an observation, and you would only use that proverb sometime when you observe somebody doing something mm-hmm. that was penny wise and pound foolish, and so it would, it would be very uh, situational. Yeah, okay. be, proverbs I think uh, uh, in their nature are situational. They're based on human situations that occur often enough that you can make a pithy saying about them, but they 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 aren't um, always true. Look before you leap, or he who hesitates is lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, depends yeah. on the circumstances. Right, right, and, uh, right. and so these short sayings that we think of as Proverbs depend on circumstances right. and our commentary on observations of circumstances, which yeah. is quite different, I think, than those first ten, nine chapters. Well, one of the really valuable, one of the many valuable interpretive frameworks that you gave me and my classmates when we had you as a professor was a distinction among descriptive prescriptive and predictive. Right. And, and I've, I've used those three categories many times in my own personal reading and interpreting of scripture, as well as in my preaching. Um, and I think you see those evident here in the Proverbs. Uh, yes, very clearly. I what are those three okay. categories? Well, particularly uh, descriptive and prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Those are the hard ones. Predictive, I think you can probably you know, understand right. that. But, but to, descriptive is, is, is material that describes a situation. Uh, and prescriptive is is material that tells you how you ought to do something. Mm-hmm. So the the very the very first five chapters is mostly prescriptive. Mm-hmm. The wisdom teacher tells the wisdom child, "Do this, don't do that." That's very prescriptive. Mm-hmm. The Ten Commandments obviously are prescriptive: mm-hmm. "Thou shalt not" kind right. of thing. But there's a great deal of descriptive material in the Old Testament. And particularly here in Proverbs, and I'm going to go out of the reading sure. for the day, but sure. if you look at um, uh, um, Proverbs 19.4, and the new RSV says, wealth brings many friends, but the poor are left friendless. Now that's a descriptive statement. It's an observation on what unfortunately happens in the speaker's experience. But it's not meant for you to say, oh, this is what ought to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you if you take this descriptive statement and make it prescriptive, then you're going to be going against, I think, the right. will of God. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. and so it's it's mm-hmm. it's a big mistake to take descriptive material and make it prescriptive. Yeah. One of the arguments that was used during the time and then they were trying to decide against slavery in the United States. Uh, was the, the argument that Abraham had slaves. And therefore, and because Abraham was chosen by God to do what God wanted him to do, therefore, Abraham must have been good and everything every, everything Abraham did, uh, we ought to do also. And so the, the slaveholders said, Abraham had slaves, I should have slaves. It's justified by God. Well, they go from a descriptive statement, which says Abraham had slaves, Nothing in the Old Testament ever says that God approved of the fact that Abraham had slaves. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the people who were using it said, made us a whole string of logic there. Okay, so if if something describes someone who was who was chosen by God for a task, then therefore God approved of what they did. 
But, you know, that's kind of a faulty logic because mm-hmm. God chose all sorts of really flawed characters to do God's will. And you think of Jacob, uh, you know, the, the rascal, and you think of you know, um, um, David, okay, who, uh, who cheats, cheats with another man's uh, wife and then has that man murdered. I mean, David does all sorts of bad things, but God had chosen him for a task and God used him. Mm-hmm. Which is in many ways very, very nice because you can think no matter how flawed I am, God could use me for God's yeah, purposes. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean that God approves of things that I do. <laughs> right. That doesn't mean that David's choices are prescriptive. No, right. Precisely. Right. So, so because s- it describes David doing these things and David was a king and, and, and chosen by God for a task, then people think, oh, well, it must have been great because David did it. We should be able to do mm-hmm. it also. But that, that's making a descriptive uh, text into a prescriptive text. And what is the reader doing when they do that? Mm. Well, they're justifying their own behavior. <laughs> uh, no, but but they're also denying the fact that God can use flawed instruments uh, to uh, to accomplish God's will. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite prescriptive texts um, occurs in this section of reading. It's it's Proverbs three, five, and six. Uh-huh. I think it's a passage that. Many of us may have been asked to memorize at one point in our lives or another. It has personal meaning to me because it's the passage that my dad wrote literally from a father to a son Uh when he gave me my very first Bible um, and he wrote the words of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in it. Um, Yeah, yeah, this is the common English version. Uh, It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths, and he will make your paths or your ways straight. And I think that's pretty that's clearly meant to be a prescriptive text yes. there. And, and again, it continues, do not be wise in your own eyes. Mm. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. You know, yeah. And that's predictive. You know, okay. yeah. but, and this, this comes up with a, a basic theme all through the book of, of Proverbs, is that wisdom, um, fear of the Lord, and knowledge are not counter to each other. Mm-hmm. That uh, that that knowledge and and faith are the flip sides of the same coin. Oh. Over and over again, that's that's one of the things we continue to say. The um, uh, let's see, where is it? The uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. Right? Once in one seven, uh, the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. In two six. And then the reverse is also true in 2, 1 to 5. The teacher says, seeking knowledge leads to the fear of the Lord. So it goes both ways. Seeking knowledge leads you to faith, and having faith leads you to knowledge and seeking knowledge. So the the Proverbs would, the author of the Proverbs would not have uh, uh, made a distinction between faith and reason necessarily. Yeah. And I don't want to say just the author, but right. the authors. The, the authors, wise. yes. And that's another thing, that, that the word that's used for the wise here is a plural word. It's mm. the wise ones. So the words of the wise is the words of the wise ones. Mm-hmm. So we have a plurality it's a here. It's, it's a, a school. school. Yeah, it, we have a plurality of people who are wise. And uh, and it includes both men and women, as that last, last chapter indicates too. And the wise ones know that seeking knowledge will lead you to faith. Fear of the Lord will lead you to knowledge. It's it's both ways. Thanks for listening. I really appreciated Kathy's threefold method for interpreting scripture, whether a text is prescriptive, 
descriptive, or predictive. Differentiating between prescriptive and descriptive texts requires careful attention in our reading. And as we'll explore in our interview next week, Proverbs offers us a great opportunity to test these skills. We're still worshiping online Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. You can join us on Facebook or at hydeparkumc.org live. And if you missed a service, they're still on our Facebook page for you to watch later. You can also connect with us on Facebook. Search for The Bible Project 2020 and request to join. McGray DeVega produced this episode. I'm Matt Hotho. See you next week.